iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Once again, welcome to the Apple Store Soho. We're very pleased that you could join us for today's special event. All throughout the Tribeca Film Festival, Apple and IndieWire have teamed up uh, for, I think, our fifth year together, uh, bringing you Meet the Filmmaker talks right here at the store. Um, today, we're pleased to bring uh, director Kirby Dick here to talk about uh, the film Outrage. Um, visit the store's website. We still have many great events running through Saturday, and you can see that schedule online. Go to apple.com slash Soho, where you'll find a link to our Tribeca film schedule. Uh, also, throughout the festival, we offer free workshops uh, covering many filmmaking topics, showing you things you can do on your Mac, uh, in addition to what's new in filmmaking uh, events, which show you many of the newest filmmaking applications available for the Mac. All of our filmmaker talks are be being recorded for our Meet the Filmmaker podcast series, which you can find on iTunes. Uh, you can also find filmmaking events from years past by searching for Tribeca Film Fest or search for Meet the Filmmaker. You can download these for free and subscribe to the series. Uh, these events are being released just a few days after they take place here at the store, uh, and they're all free to download. Joining me from IndieWire uh, to introduce tonight's event and talk a little bit about IndieWire.com is Eugene Hernandez. Thank you for joining us. We'll get started in just a moment. IndieWire is excited to be partnering with Apple once again on these events. So thank you, for, thank you to everyone from Apple for all their hard work. This has been a terrific series. We've had some amazing guests. Uh, you can read coverage of the events on IndieWire.com as well as coverage of the festival. And uh, we invite you to check out IndieWire.com and, and find out about some of the other events that we host here at the Apple Store on an ongoing basis. Uh, we're really excited about uh, today's program because Kirby is a filmmaker who we've covered numerous times at IndieWire. His documentaries are incredible, and he's an Oscar-nominated filmmaker. Uh, we're going to take a look right now at the trailer for a film that you may have heard about um, called Outrage. We've covered it a bit at IndieWire. So let's take a look at the trailer and then we'll join, we'll have Kirby join us to talk about the film. He was my first sexual relationship as he was a number of my fraternity brothers. He asked me if I'd come back to his apartment <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning. I said, what was that all about? You and the congressman. And he said, said, we're having a relationship. He grabbed me by the shoulder and very boldly said, remember, you never saw me. You've never been here. He had a relationship with him, a sexual relationship with him. We never discussed his political platform or what he believed in. We just had sex. Let me be clear. I am not gay. There are names in the folks in the Congress in high positions of power who are leading a secret double life. He's a closeted gay man. He's a closeted gay man too. They have been chasing us for years. We're gonna chase back. I think that each one of these outings puts a little chink in the armor of the anti-gay movement. It is very important that the people who make the law be subject to the law. 
90% of the cases or so are Republicans. He is dancing at Flamingo on the weekend and propping up the most right-wing homophobes in America. Same thing I was doing as a teenager, bashing other gay people in order to prove that they're not gay. This is your voting record, and it seems to run absolutely contradictory to the way you've lived your personal life. Do you know what the right value is? The right value is truthfulness. The right value is honesty. Moderating uh, today's special event, uh, festival programmer for the Sundance Film Festival uh, is Basil Tsiokos. At this time, please join me in welcoming our director, Kirby Dick, and Basil Tsiokos. So uh, welcome, everyone. Um, so I'm Basil, this is Kirby. Um, Thank you so much for joining us uh, for this, uh, this, this uh, really great um, uh, discussion that we're about to have. Uh, so the film, Outrage, you just saw the trailer of, uh, just, just really quickly uh, letting you know this, uh, the film has one more screening tomorrow night at the Tribeca Film Festival. Uh, there'll be a moderated discussion after that screening uh, with a, a larger set of people uh, from the film discussing the issues around the film as well. Um, so what time is that and when is that tomorrow? I think the screening is tomorrow at 8 p.m., am I correct? I think so. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and it might be technically sold out, but uh, you could try to, if you haven't seen it, you can try to get tickets on the rush line. Usually people have been able to get, um, get into screenings that way as well. Um, but more importantly, the film is going to be coming out theatrically on May 8th. Um, so that's a week from tomorrow. Um, so definitely make sure to see the film and tell your friends to see the film when it does come out. Um, so I wanted to just uh, really briefly get started by, um, I have very extensive notes here, um, it's by uh, just giving a little bit of background information about Kirby, or getting a little background information about Kirby, um, for those of you that may not know uh, about his, his body of work. Um, so among the films that he has made um, include Sick, The Life and Death of Bob Flanagan, Supermasochist, Chain Camera, Twist of Faith, which was uh, uh, Oscar-nominated. Um, this film is not yet rated, and Outrage from this year. Um, so those are, those are really amazing films. Uh, you're, you're one of the documentary uh, filmmakers that I follow. Always make sure to see the films that you have coming out. Um, in one way or the, another, these films, to me, um, have a lot to do with I don't know if you want to call it investigative journalism, or a lot of them have to do with sort of telling the story that is not told about these people. Do you come from a background of journalism, of, of any kind of writing on that level, or, or what, what really brought you to do these kinds of projects? Well, ac actually, no. I mean, my background is more coming out of art school. I went to Cal Arts and then sort of segued out of art and video art into documentary. Um, but certainly my last three films, Twist of Faith, This Film Is Not Yet Rated, and Outrage, have, you know, had, have had elements of investigative journalism and have all, in one way or another, involved PIs. Right. <laughs> um, and, and so you, you definitely see the commonalities of, of that same kind of... So t to go back a little bit, so the, the last three films that we just mentioned, Twist of Faith looks at... I mean, you, you do this much better than me, but you'll correct me. Um, looks at... Uh, 
priests that are child abusers. Essentially, you know, uh, it was from 2004, um, right, you know, the time of the Catholic Church, the, the big controversy around the Catholic Church covering up uh, pedophile crimes uh, by, by priests. Right, that's a timeless thing, by the way, though. Oh, that, absolutely. That, that has gone on for 50 years and will probably go on for centuries more. Right, but it, it, follows, it follows a number of, of people that were abused as children as they want to confront the, the, the people that, that abuse them. Um, this film is not yet rated. You may have, you may have uh, seen or, or read about. Uh, it it, it tackled the MPAA, the Motion Picture, um, uh, what's it stand for? Association, Association of Association, America. Right, Association of America, and their, um, their system of how they determine if something's a PG, an R, an X, um, and, and the sort of arbitrariness of their decisions. Um, and in fact, they were, uh, they were pretty much cl crowded, uh, clouded in secrecy. You didn't know who they were, what they were made of, and so the film actually does do a lot of investigative work to, to track down those people. And Outrage, as you just saw, looks at people that, uh, looks at politicians that are closeted that also have abysmal gay rights voting records and actively campaign against the rights of gay individuals in, in the United States. Um, so all of them really do have this, this commonality of really going after hypocrisy, really. That's the main thing. It's, it's, it's one of the things that's been said about the film is it's not really about outing, per se. It's about exposing people that are lying, people that are not living truthfully. No, that's absolutely true. I mean, the, the, the film is not about outing gay politicians. I mean, I, obviously there would be, there's quite a few more gay politicians that are closeted, um, but I did not focus on them because uh, they weren't hypocrites. They weren't voting against gays and lesbians. Right, right. One of the articles that I read about this film, Outrage, um, said that it was actually directly inspired by this film is not your rated or that the, the work that you did was was very much um, led to this led to outrage can you talk about that a little bit well in, in one sense that's true I was in uh, uh, Washington DC promoting this film is not yet rated before it opened in August of 2006 and uh, you, you know since uh, since this film is not yet rated was about the censorship in the American film rating system this is a story that I knew about because I was in the film business and I thought here, here I am in Washington. There's probably many stories that people only in, in Washington, inside the Beltway, know about. And I started asking around and, and very quickly came upon the fact that there were closeted uh, politicians who voted anti-gay. And, and the fact that this is a story that really only the gay press has reported on, um, the mainstream press has really shied away from it, which is in itself a kind of homophobia. Uh, you know, this is a story that I really felt needed to be told. And then, of course, the whole psychology of these people is, is fascinating. I mean, someone who would, you know, in exchange for a long political career, would live their life in the closet for decades, live a double life, you know, that, that kind of screws, screws you up. And I was sort of fascinated with how screwed up they were. And so, um, so did this film evolve? Like, did, like did, did you know what you were going to make when you were starting? Or was there something else that kind of evolved into what Outrage became? I never know what I'm going to make when I start. Um, I, I like to operate in a you know, sort of a, a state of sort of low grade but continual panic, um, because it, it not only sort of motivates me, but I can use that as sort of an excuse to turn to my crew, and say, look, this thing, this is the one that's really going to be a disaster unless we all, you know, get together and make this thing happen. Um, but but there's another thing. I don't I don't begin with a script because one of the things I love about documentary is its unpredictability. And I think I want to incorporate unpredictability into the production process as much as possible. So, you know, I had an idea of, of where I wanted to, to shoot, but I had no idea of, of what it would develop from there. And so, I mean, what was, what was the most, um, what had the most impact in terms of 
determining the final shape of what the, the project looks like? I mean, was it specific people that you met, like the investigative journalists that are in the film that are the ones naming names and, and were reporting in the gay press long ago before anybody else would talk about this? What, what, like, what was sort of the turning point for you to, to figure out sort of what you were going to end up with? Well, you know, I think we were very fortunate uh, to, to get the interviews that we did. I mean, uh, Washington is a very buttoned-down town, and people are very cautious to go on the record for anything other than, I mean, even for global warming, a lot of them were cautious. So you can imagine talking about closeted politicians was, uh, was a real challenge. But, um, you know, my producer, Amy Ziering, was very skilled at sort of bringing people slowly, getting them to a level, level of comfort to, to make the film, and what I found was is everybody in my film who I interviewed had been thinking about this issue for, for decades. I mean, they pr probably many of them were in the closet themselves at one time. All of them knew people in the closet. They knew the personal cost of the closet. Most of them w were probably pretty close to politicians who were closeted and in, at one time or another voted anti-gay to protect the closet. And, and they saw the personal and political costs of the closet and wanted this story told. And so I was actually standing on the shoulders of sort of 20, 30 years of, you know, of, of, of sort of analysis and meditation on this subject. So one of the things about the trailer, which I think is really, really interesting, um, is that you have the blurred out faces. Now, that's not the way the film is presented. I mean, I think it works really well for the trailer, but I'm thinking we should show them a clip just to sort of give them a, a sense of the general look of the film and everything as well. So if we can just roll the first of the clips. This town is full of gay people. I first moved here thinking how gay it was. Sometimes I think Washington's more gay than, than San Francisco is. Capitol Hill is packed with gay staffers. There are so many of them. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting a gay staffer. There's a running joke that actually like, gay men make Capitol Hill run on time. They don't have like a wife or children to go home to so they can work really long hours. To this day, I have not seen any place like it. So it is probably like the most gay place. Unfortunately, it's probably still the most closeted place. Okay, get a little background on, on Washington and how gay it is. Um, so uh, one of the things that one of the things that uh, that already has, I mean, the film is gen the film first showed last week, right? And it's already generated tons of articles. Um, both positive and negative, um, sort of criticizing things about it, lauding certain things about it. One of the things that um, has come up certainly, and you've already touched upon it, which, which is how did you make the decision on who to include and who not to include? Um, you know, obviously it's a question of the hypocrisy is obviously the main, the central thing that, that, that you're trying to get at here. But there's been, there's been concerns about, okay, it seems, it seems to attack Republicans more so than Democrats. Like, um, you include, you know, certain people that, um, that, that seem to be sort of the, the, the right-wingers, but you don't really do the left-wingers. And I, I understand the reason for that, but if you could sort of talk about a little bit about that. Well, sure. Um, I, I mean, I think the, the reason is fairly obvious. I mean, the Republican Party has really uh, sort of whipped up an anti-gay hysteria for its own political ends. And what's happened is, is that's actually driven a lot of its own uh, politicians deeper into the closet. I mean, in the 70s and early 80s, and even into the, even into the early 90s, some of these uh, politicians, I mean, they weren't out to their constituency, but they would go out to gay bars in D.C., and it wasn't an issue. But once, you know, once the Republicans started attacking gays, they had to go very deep in order, in order to sort of, you know, not have somebody else in their party run against them and win in a primary. So, whereas the Democrats, on the other hand, I mean, there's now three um, openly 
gay represent uh, con con well o openly gay what? members of the House of Representatives. There we go. One of the things I like about D.C. that's very funny is everybody, every staffer refers to their congressman as their member. So the first time, the first time I heard that, the first few times, I was like, "This is some party town." Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, but that, that's the reason. It, it really, it, I, I'm, this is not a partisan film. And, uh, you know, I think in many ways the Democrats, uh, you know, have a lot to, still to, uh, to do to, you know, uh, work for full equality for all Americans. But, and, and to be fair, yeah. I mean, you do have people like Barney Frank, and you do have people that were closeted for some period of time as, as working members of Congress and who then came out later. And so they, and, the, and some of those are Democrats. I mean, so, so there, there is representation on that level too, but clearly the most egregious examples of people that are working actively right now against equal, equal rights for everybody are, tend to be in the, in the Republican Party. Um, and I, I heard, a, I heard a, an anecdote from somebody who went to one of the public screenings at, at Tribeca that people in the audience were using ballots, the ballots that you get to sort of say, this is my favorite film or this is my, not my favorite film. They were actually using it to write suggestions of other politicians that should be included in different cuts of the film. Now, I wasn't aware of this. Who has those ballots? <laughs> so I don't know. You, you should really talk to them about it. But I, 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 saw, I heard somebody tell me about that. And I mean, oh, that's great. So I mean, the, the film itself is... That's is, a DVD extra right <laughs> I was, there. I was about to say, is that something that can be included there? Yeah. Um, and you're, you're probably not going to, I mean, uh, this film has gone through a lot of different cuts, I'm sure, and you had different versions with different people in them. What, so what was, the, what was your bottom line in terms of the choice to, do, to include someone or not include it? Was it just a question of having the, the amount of material to back up the claim? Is there fear of lawsuits? Are there, like, what, what, are the, what were the reasons that would make you say, well, I really believe this person is, uh, is also being hypocritical, but I can't include him for some reason? No, I mean, it was, it was really having, I mean, there's a lot of rumors in, in D.C. Um, and, and I was able to partially substantiate uh, th those rumors around other politicians, but I couldn't completely corroborate it. I mean, everyone in the film, I was able to completely corroborate. And it, I mean, this issue has, on the blogosphere, been treated a lot, but it's been treated in the, in the form of rumor, reporting on rumor, which is an acceptable thing to report, but I didn't want my film to have that. Sure, sure, of course. Um, should we look at one more clip right now, second clip? People always say, oh, you, there had to be signs. I had to know. With our sex life or relationship, there was nothing, or intimacy, there was nothing to indicate that there was a problem. If you're keeping a double ledger from the second of your morning breath to the time you go to bed at night, it's like, you know, a bad Star Trek episode, and you have to discern which foot is in which universe at any given time. You know, to a certain point, they are the victim, but they made their own choices uh, about how they were going to live their lives. He didn't have to destroy my life or my daughter's life or anybody else's life. So that's obviously the, the McGreevies, and they're probably the, one of the most public, very recent examples of a politician getting himself out of the closet because of rumors and scandals and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's a couple questions that come from, from, from that specific clip, actually. Um, how did you get people to sign on to, to it's people that, like in that position? How'd you get Dina to sign on? How'd you get Jim McGreevy to sign on to discuss what is obviously a very painful um, and in many ways still fresh wound? Um, you know, what, what was that process like for you to get your subjects? Well, I think Jim McGreevy, I mean, uh, and, and, and another politician, former Congressman uh, Jim Colby, both have talked about, you, you know, it was for Jim Colby, it was almost a near religious experience to finally come out. And I think. Part of what they want to do is they want to share the, the you know the positive aspects of being uh, out. 
On the, on the other hand, I think they also want to talk about the, 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 the pain of being the closet, because very few people actually do that. And, and he, he talked quite eloquently in his book as well. Um, for Dina McGreevy, I think it was somewhat of a different, I mean, there was a lot of tension on Jim, and rightfully so, but I think the, the closet is not only, it's, it's not only the politicians themselves who are suffering, and, and in fact, they're victims of homophobia, even when they're complete hypocrites. I mean, they, most of these people would choose to, I'm sure all of them would choose to be out, but they can't. They feel like in order to be a, a successful politician, they have to li 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 live a closeted life. But with Dina, I think uh, she felt that there wasn't really the appropriate focus being given to the damage that's caused to the people around them. And she was, you know, I mean, her story about how, you know, she had, uh, was, was with him for years before she found out. And she, at that point, she had to look back on her life and say, what part of my life was a lie? I mean, was going on this vacation a lie? Was, and it was, it's, it was really something profound in my mind to have somebody sort of reassess one's whole life. And, and a, lot of the, a lot of the politicians who did go through the process and, and either are not or they may be retired or are still somehow involved in, in, in the political realm um, do express that very thing. I think the film ends in a beautiful, beautiful way with, um, with is it Colby who, who makes the last statement, basically? In, in the, the film, it's Harvey Milk, actually. Um, right before right. that, though. Right, but the, the, last, the last living person who sort of um, makes right. a statement about the, the yes. profounded effect. Effects. Exactly. Yeah. It's Jim Colby, yes. Um, the other thing that that obviously brings up, and we've already discussed that the, the film's not really about outing, it's more about hypocrisy, but at the same time, we're dealing with outing. I mean, and so um, I thought it was really pretty interesting when, um, when IndieWire did, a, did a, um, a story about the film prior to the Tribeca uh, screenings, um, they ran a poll. And the poll basically asked, is it appropriate for uh, politicians to be outed if they actively campaign against the gay rights, et cetera? And while, Overwhelmingly, the, the answer was absolutely it's acceptable. I was still struck that about 6% of, of people cited privacy should always be respected and it's not appropriate, and about 8% said that it would make a difference, the individual circumstances of the politician would make a difference whether it was acceptable or not. Um, now, that's obviously still, it's, it's still small. I mean, that's 14% out of, you know, against the idea of outing um, versus back in the late 80s, early 90s when outing was such a big hot button issue and it was super contested, very big debate over it. Um, what do you think has changed? What do you think has changed where people are uh, willing to accept the idea that, um, that you can call somebody on their hypocrisy, that um, outing is a, a, a powerful tactic that can be used? Well, I sort of the first stage of outing, I think, came over anger over the, the lack of response to the AIDS crisis when there were closeted politicians, in fact, in, in the Reagan administration, who could have done something for the, to, to combat the AIDS crisis and didn't because they were protecting the closet. That's where, that's where it rose out of. I think the second round came out, and that came out with Mike Rogers, a blogger, um, in the hysteria leading up to the 2004 campaign for the federal marriage amendment uh, to, to, for, to and, and what was happening there is there were a lot of people in Washington, both Democrats and Republicans, gays and straights, but it's particularly the gays were, were, were really behind the scenes pushing very hard to derail this. But what was happening is because DC is such a button downtown, nobody was going out front on this. And that's what, what Mike Rogers did is he, he created this blog and you know started basically outing first staffers, high-level staffers, who were working for politicians who were anti-gay. And he really touched a, a real anger because 
he got incredible amount of tips from within Washington and also from around the country. And, and I think that's what caused this sort of second explosion. And I think, in, in, to answer your question, you know, this, this anti-gay hysteria has created such an anger that people feel it is appropriate in this kind of situation to really level the playing field. I mean, you can't just, you have to defend yourself in some way. Right. And, and the thing is, is the, it's, again, these are closeted politicians who would normally, in, you know, personally vote pro-gay, but they're voting anti-gay to protect the closet. Now this, this, this next thing that I want to ask you is, is it's not sort of to put you on the spot, but it, it's more of a question of, again, looking at the last few works that you've done, they've all involved, they've all involved closeting in some way, or, or, or I mean, I'm sorry, outing in some way, not necessarily all gay subjects, but um, revealing something that has been kept secret by an organization like the Catholic Church, revealing something that's been kept secret by an organization like the MPAA, this film obviously. What, so what is, what's really next? Like what, what's, what would be next for you in terms of where would you, where would you see the limits of investigating something that is, could be viewed as hypocritical in some way but maybe doesn't affect public policy? Um, I'm thinking of things like the influence of Scientology on, on Hollywood, for example, or I mean, I'm just saying it could be as broad-based as that or, um, or the influence of the Mormon church to get Prop 8 um, you know, in California or uh, closeted actors, like, and to get back to the gay stuff, closeted actresses, uh, you know, the, the rumors that always surround certain actors, the lawsuits that they always um, file when somebody dares to discuss sure. that. Um, I'm not saying that that's something you necessarily would do, but I mean, what, where do you think the limits are to investigating those things for what are private, I mean, so what are public people living, uh, I mean, individuals living in the public spotlight that do projects or do work or do something that still in some ways affects the rights of others or that impinge on the, exp the free expression of others, you know, belief right. systems, re uh, religion, sexuality, whatever. Well, I mean, I mean, limits, I mean, one has to always be very careful with limits, but, um, you know, I guess it would be in sort of in an individual circumstance. Um, I think the problem is, is in general, people limit themselves too much. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's, you take an interesting issue here, which is closeted uh, celebrities. I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting debate, and we actually considered putting it in our film, but it just, we had our hands full with Washington, sure, D.C. Yeah. But it's interesting, I mean, if you have a... You know, if, if an A-list actor, uh, you know, there's a, an argument to be made that that actor has more power and more capability Absolutely. of influencing the culture than even somebody like Larry Craig before he was closeted, if, somebody, if he came out and voted pro-gay. Um, so there, there is an interesting argument there. I think it would, it would it'd be very explosive. And, yeah. um, but it's an interesting film. I've, I've sort of done my film right. on this, so, I mean, but it's a, it's a great subject. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I bring it up, all, again, not to say that it's something that you would necessarily want to do or have to do, but it's, the other thing about your film Outrage is sort of the conspiracy of silence that the, the mass media, the mainstream media has about discussing these kinds of things. And in certain ways, going back into the studio system and, uh, you know, the rags, the, the, the gossip rags sort of being bought off by Hollywood studios to keep raw cuts and sexuality a you know, secret, those kinds of things are still perpetuated in, in certain ways. And so it, that, that's sort of where I'm getting at is, is that just like the MPAA sort of worked under its own cone of silence, that kind of question is, is sort of where that came from. But anyway, I, I, definitely, I definitely hear you on that. Um, I want to show, I think, one more clip and then maybe open it up to some questions from the audience. I think outing is a fundamentally wrong and dishonest uh, thing to do. I just feel sympathy when they are exposed that way. Um, I think every gay person knows what it's like 
to have uh, your privacy ripped apart. There is a right to privacy, but not a right to hypocrisy. It is very important that the people who make the law be subject to the law. People who are not subject to laws will make harsh laws because they don't have to live with them. That's it, okay. Right. Yeah, so say it again into the, into the microphone. Just repeat, just repeat that for them. People who are not subject to laws will make harsh laws. That was the last, that was the end of Barney Frank's statement. Right. Um, and really quickly before we get to the audience, um, okay, so the film is going to be opening up in a week. What is your, what is your hope for it, the immediate impact the film will have? Is it the mainstream media reporting on it, which they already have started to, thank, thankfully, um, but is it about actually seeing real change in terms of these people coming out? Abdicating, what, what's, what, are you, what are you looking for? Well, certainly, um, it's, it's reporting on this hypocrisy. I mean, the, the mainstream media is still, I think, dragging its feet even a bit around this film. Um, secondly, it's to advance, or, or actually, the most important is to advance the cause of gay rights, which I, I think is the most important human rights issue in this country at this time. And finally, I, I actually hope that it sort of leads to, to the lessening of the closet, because the closet really contorts the political system. And, and part of the reason the closet is in existence is because people aren't talking about it. The mainstream press isn't right. talking about it. And, and I think closet, uh, politicians will, you know, early in their career will make a decision. Perhaps if people are talking about it, looking at it, they'll make the decision that it's, maybe it's better personally and better politically to run as an out candidate, whether Democrat or Republican. Right. Great. So do we have questions? Let's start with you. Was it trickier uh, to get funding for this film as opposed to your other films, which I'm sure it's never easy to get funding for documentary films anyway, but maybe with your name it is. I don't know, but was it more complicated because of the controversial topic? Um, yeah, it's always hard to get funding for, for a documentary. Um, you know, Magnolia you know, jumped in right at the beginning, and they really liked sort of the um, kind of kick-ass quality of this, I have to say, and they've been really very supportive all along the way. So, you know, we've been, we've been very, very fortunate that they've been, been a part of it. Great, right over here. Hi, because of the controversial nature of the film, did you fear, did you fear of ruining anybody's career? And what was the process that you took to make sure that these accusations wasn't just, you know, mudslinging back and forth? Right. No, that's a very good question um, because sometimes people start rumors to, to gay bash another client and there's no, I mean, which shouldn't be done at all, but there's no, e there's no substantiation even to those rumors. Um, well, we, we made this film over several years and, and from the very beginning we really had a team of people researching these, uh, you know, this information. And so we were very careful to make sure that everything in the film was 100% accurate. Um, and then there was another... Um, Oh, affecting their careers. Affecting their careers. Well, you know, I, it's an, you, you know, obviously, you know, you you never want to do something to hurt someone. I mean, they're, uh, you know, they're, I certainly feel empathy for these people. But on the other hand, there's a responsibility of the press, there's a responsibility of documentary filmmakers to report hypocrisy, because these are people who, you know, when they're voting against gays and lesbians, are harming the lives of millions of Americans. And I think it's if we don't report on hypocrisy, things will only get worse. We have a question here in the front. Hi. Did you ever consider, <laughs> did you ever consider when making the film um, looking at the hypocrisy of some straight politicians who like on a social, on a social level are friends with gay people, but then when they go out on a campaign trail, for instance, they start you know, bashing the gay community 
Um, thinking like maybe for instance Giuliani because you know he like lived with a gay couple during his divorce in New York and now is criticizing Governor Patterson in New York for supporting gay marriage. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, you know, um, it, you know, we've. The, I wanted to really keep the film focused on the closet. However, I, I that is in some ways one of the most. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it really angers me. I mean, you take George W. Bush. George W. Bush is not a homophobe. He has gay friends. He works with a gay men. Um, and at the same time, he was, you know, the architect of this incredible anti-gay campaign. And in some ways, strangely enough, that's almost worse than if somebody truly was homophobic. It's so cynical. So um, we, we, we talked to a lot of people about that phenomenon. But again, it was sort of drifting off the closet. And I just really want to keep the focus on the closet. Other questions? All the way in the back. I was just wondering what your path was as a filmmaker. Have you always just been involved in documentaries or have you floated around in different areas? Uh, well, as I said, I started out in art and made uh, some video art and an, and an art film. And I did uh, write a screenplay uh, that was produced called Guy with Vincent D'Onofrio and Hope, Hope Davis. So that's, I guess, the one, one bit of flirting I did. What, and can I ask if you, if you can talk about it, do you have a next project and, and what is that? I have a, a couple of things I'm, I'm working on, but I really can't talk about them. Uh, understandable, <laughs> totally. Do you have any other questions? Oh, yep. Um, just wondering what your general thoughts are on making a living as a documentary filmmaker. <laughs> Excellent question. Uh, yeah, you can sort of scratch out one, I think. Um, I, I wouldn't expect to, you know, I mean, particularly, I think if you choose your own subject matter and, and, and um, I mean, I always feel very lucky when I get financing for a, a project that I really want to make. And, and I never take it for granted that's going to happen by any means. So, um, I mean, it's like being an artist. I mean, you, you just, I mean, if you scratch out a living, you're, you, you're very fortunate to be able to do what you love to do. Even, even with an Oscar nomination? That helps, but believe me, <laughs> People much rather would would much rather put money into films about you know musicians than films about outing you know gay politicians. It's it, you know I think if you go kind of out, you know if you, if you if you sort of go out into territory that uh, perhaps there's not a big constituency for the film, um, I, it, it's a challenge to funders. But but I think that's the wonderful thing about documentary. I mean documentary is so wide open, and I. I I actually think that as a, as a kind of a genre of film, it's actually, it's actually adjusting to sort of to the, uh, to the presence of the internet much better than I think feature film is. I personally think, and this is, I mean, I love, you know, feature film, I, and, and there are great filmmakers out there, but I see a lot of the energy getting, I think, getting sapped out um, into the internet. And I, I think documentary with YouTube, it's still, it's still really mixing it up. And I, 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 you know, it seems right now, it seems like documentary has a very great future at least in terms of as an art form. And I see it as an art form, actually. Any other questions? Oh, right here. OK, that's a very good question. I just Wh asked why the media won't report on this. Well, OK, this is something the gay press has been reporting on for a long time. I mean, and why the, you know, normally the, the mainstream media will report on something if a legitimate news source is reported on it. For some reason, on this subject matter, 
the gay press is not considered legitimate or something. I don't know why. Um, and, 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 and I've now talked to, um, I mean, they're coming to me, they're, they're interviewing me, they're, you know, like CBS News, CNN, I mean, the, the reporters themselves are very sympathetic and really want to get this story out. But they're, they're really worried about if they can report on the people who I report on in my film, if they can name their names. And I'm very puzzled by this. First of all, in most cases, what I have in my film has been reported on by other people that hasn't been picked up. So it's not like it's only me. There's, a, there's oftentimes journalists behind this. And, um, and so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm really, really puzzled by this. They, they, they're afraid of being sued, but you know, there's a, there was a decision, Sullivan versus the New York Times, which basically said, if, if, you know, if you're writing, a, if a, a news outlet is writing about a public official, in order for them to be liable to be sued, it has to be willfully putting out misinformation. And I mean, they wouldn't be doing that. I mean, I don't see, I, I really don't understand why they can't say, even if they want to distance themselves, say this film reports on this. And you know, we're not, you know, and we're, we're just reporting on that. We're not necessarily confirming that that information is correct. If they, if they choose to do that, it is correct. But, um, it's interesting. There's something, I mean, I'm, I'm really trying to think this through right now. There's, there's a real uncomfortableness, I mean, with these reporters, um, and, it, and they always mention the fear of being sued, but I mean, I, oftentimes, you know, people report on things all the time with unnamed sources and things like that, and I, I, I don't know, I, I can't even think, when was the last time a news organization was sued in this country? And this is yeah. not the UK. Right, that's, uh, it's, a, it's a good, it's a really good question. I mean, and that, that's sort of part of the the whole, the whole, the whole film is about that. That's like really yeah. the main, the main thing, which is really. And speaking I mean, of, actually, does anybody have an answer to that question? I'm actually very curious. I think it does, but I, I mean, even at the reported level, there's this discomfort. I mean, is there? I don't know. Is somebody a journalist here who is? Okay. Well, that's. I, I suspect that, that might be a part of it. So, so echoing that, like. So it's been about a week since the film has been seen publicly. Um, what has surprised you the most about how it has been covered? I mean, any kind of backlash to it? Um, any kind of backpedaling by people that are in the film? Have they addressed it? I know Ed Koch had something to say about it. Um, sorry, he's in the, um, you know, is, is, I mean, unless you don't want to talk about that for fear of ruining it for the people here, but. Um. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I think it's been really very positive response to the film. I mean, I was, I was very happy to, to show it in New York and DC first. I mean, it's sort of this is sort of the axis of power in this country, and and uh, and it's a lot. It's a lot. You know, a lot of the interview subjects and a lot of the politicians that I focus on are from DC and, and New York, and and it's been very. The, the response has been very gratifying. I mean, again, a lot of the work is is based. Is, you know, this film in many ways is 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 sort of built upon the shoulders of of you know bloggers, the gay press, you know, over the work of, you know, and their work over the last twenty years. So. It, in some ways, I mean, it's just, I'm very pleased to show it in this, you know, these communities. Let's see if there's one more question. Anyone? Oh. Um, I was wondering at the end of, like, when you finally finished editing it, how did you feel? Like, was it cathartic, or were you, did it raise more questions than it answered? Or? Well, I finished it about, uh, I think, three or four days before it premiered at Tribeca. So I just, I mean, and then I had to, you know, get ready to go. So it's... I, I don't know. Um, it's it's always kind of a letdown, strangely enough. I mean, it's always more. I mean, the the pleasure for me is the actual process of making the film. Um, so there's the the catharsis. Um, I guess never comes. <laughs> I don't know. So let's uh, let's. Oh, I'm sorry. One more. 
Okay. I was just wondering if the broader issue of gay rights was something that you've always been interested in, or was it more or less peaked when you started speaking to these people in D.C. before, before you undertook this project? Well, it's something I've always been interested in. Um, you know, I remember when I think Oregon first passed, uh, I think it was the first state to pass an, an anti-gay marriage law, and I was appalled. I thought, this is just a, this is, this will never happen again. There's something very strange in the state of Oregon. And then when you saw state after state over the next 15 years, uh, it, it really did anger me. Um, in my last film, this film is not yet rated, one of the things that I focused on was that the fact that the MPAA rates films with gay subject matter harsher than films with straight subject matter. And I'm still angry about this. I mean, I, I, I can't believe that no one besides myself and a few other journalists has called, you know, has, has demanded the MPAA just issue a statement saying that there will be, you know, no double standard in this. I mean, this is in Hollywood. I mean, it's... Hollywood it's, run by gays, essentially, well, I mean, in, in many ways. In many ways, in many ways. And it's just, you know... I, I, I just, that pisses me it, off. It, is, it still it boggles my mind. And too. they're very vulnerable there. I mean, I just, I mean, somebody could just grab by the balls, I'm sure, and make them do it. I mean, some, you know, some blogger, you know, Tal Road or somebody out there should just start, or Paris Hilton or somebody, should just start kicking them. How, um, one, one follow up on that, not to ask you what the next project is, but while making outrage, were you working under secrecy yourself? I mean, how, was, how did you keep sort of this under wraps for the people that are in the film and as, as well from people that would be reporting on it and trying to sort of stop you or anything like that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean having made This Film Is Not Yet Rated, and to some degree, Twist of Faith, <clears throat> I, have, I was very aware of kind of the techniques you need to sort of stay under the radar. <clears throat> I, mean, and, I mean, as it turned, there were times when it didn't turn out to be, you know, necessary, but I was, I was sort of, prepared to go to like, I don't know, DEFCON 5 if certain information that I was going for turned out to be true. Um, I think it's true, but I never could confirm it. But, but there was, it was something we were really very, very careful about. I mean, we would really sort of kind of set out, uh, you know, a timeline of when we would take a certain chance to get information, realizing that we were exposing ourselves to perhaps being discovered. It's, it actually, it's kind of made the whole thing kind of fun. It's like you're playing this little I don't know, <laughs> cops and robbers game. Right. Um, let, me, let me thank Kirby for being here again. And I want to remind everybody that, again, the final screening at Tribeca is tomorrow night. Um, with a panel, and on the panel are with you... Uh, who, uh, Michelangelo Signorelli, Larry Kramer, and uh, Roger McFarlane, who is... Uh, if, you, if you haven't seen the film, is, is quite a character. I think it's going to be... Well, we're, we don't know what to expect with yeah. him as a moderator, so it should be fun. Definitely. So check that out. Um, and then a uh, final reminder also, Magnolia will be releasing the film uh, a, week from a week from tomorrow, uh, May 8th. So make sure to tell everybody about that. Um, thank you again, and thank you for coming here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Once again, thank you for coming out tonight. Uh, visit the store's website at apple.com slash Soho for a schedule of upcoming events. Uh, tomorrow we feature Nia Vardolos, and on Saturday, a student filmmaker panel. <laughs>